This is a Village Soundcast Network original production. Welcome to Turning a New Leaf, where we discuss the changing face of Canada since the legalization of recreational cannabis across the country. Turning a New Leaf is produced by the Village Soundcast Network, and I'm your host, Sean King. Enjoy. Well, welcome back to the show. This is part two of our two-part finale of the current edition of Turning a New Leaf. We have been up to this point talking a lot about uh, what we expect to be happening leading up to legalization of recreational marijuana in Canada. And of course, at this point, it is now legal. We're a month, a month or so in to uh, what that process is becoming. And, um, and we've decided to bring back a couple of guests who've been on the show before. In fact, our very first guest uh, from just over a year ago is, was Donna Davies, who is joining us, a filmmaker at Ruby Tree Films. Welcome, Donna. Thank you. Happy to be back. We've got Ray Gracewood, who's the Chief Commercial Officer at Organogram, Inc., and I believe Ray was our second guest. Welcome back, Ray. Thanks, Sean. Great to be back. <laughs> I was going to say, you've got me on mute, don't you? <laughs> Uh, and finally, we've got Hal Johnson, uh, founder of of the of Body Break, and we're all, I think, very familiar with Hal Johnson. Hal joined us kind of in the middle of of the past year, but was one of the few guests that I wouldn't say was against what was going on, but definitely was questioning if this was a good move for Canadians. And so, I love this kind of mix of perspectives that we'll have uh, as we go through this conversation. So, welcome, Hal. Good, uh, good day. <laughs> So look, um, <laughs> I don't know if it was a good day or a bad day. Well, I guess it depends on your perspective. I'm having a pretty good day. That's right. Um, there you go. By any chance, did either of you listen to the other uh, person's episode? I did. You did? Yes. Ray? Yeah, I think I've. I think I listened to both. Yeah. Okay. And Hal, did you get a chance to listen? I I have not. Okay. Well, that's even better. <laughs> you won't know what they said. But look, I, I'm going to start with uh, I'm going to start with you, Donna. I mean, as our first guest on the show a year ago. Now, admittedly, even when I was starting the show a year ago, I mean, I really didn't know what to expect. I didn't know much about anything, to be honest. Uh, a lot has happened since uh, since a year ago, uh, with all of the conversations that we've had, and now, of course, what we're seeing happen with legalization. It's safe to say a lot's changed. Uh, a lot has since changed since that day. Now, when we had you on as a guest, you were working on uh, a film. Mm -hmm. I, I had released the film, uh, which at the time, what was the official title of that oh film? Oh, my God. It's it, it sort of, that film turned into three films. Okay. But um, it was originally called, uh, originally way back at the beginning, it was called Cannabis Crusaders, and it became High Hopes, the Business of Marijuana. Right. And uh, then there was like a land and sea half hour version that had a whole different name. Okay. Yeah. Now, you at the time were talking about some of the difficulty that you were having uh, getting networks and people, anyone really, to sort of not only listen to what you had to say, but kind of agree that it was something that should be, should be created. Yep. My guess was that was related to some of the stigma that yep. was attached to things at that time. Um, and it's fair to say, you know, I was listening back to the conversation and, and you had started the process of filming a content related to cannabis like four or five years prior. Yes. Yeah. So you were really, really on it uh, before yeah. most. Yeah, I was on it. I was on it early and uh, through, you know, a very uh, personal story of a friend that that was ill with, with brain cancer. And uh, so I started looking at the medicinal side of, you know, uh, what uh, what legalization was going to mean. And I was very excited uh, when the, the government started doing the licensed producer program and uh, started following some of the people in the lineup at the beginning. Yeah. That's how I met Ray. <laughs> yeah. And um, a lot of other people that, believe it or not, are still in that damn lineup. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, look, let's skip ahead. It's now legal. Um, what are your thoughts? I mean, you've, you've now, you've created those films. I know you've got a few more projects in the hopper. How have things changed for you now that things have become legal? You know, it's it's really funny, but the uh, the broadcast world is very stodgy and slow to change. And so despite the fact that, you know, inevitably the world is a completely different place now, mm -hmm. it's it's taking the traditional broadcasters a while to catch up. 
And, you know, here we are in Canada, you know, at the top of the world in terms of being able to provide, you know, the the intel on this, this new industry that's going to sweep the world eventually. But they're still remiss to really, you know, they're, they're, they're a little bit they're a little still bit hesitant. still hesitant yeah mm-hmm. so i wouldn't say that like i felt if this had been probably any other uh project that i was uh covering with the amount of you know health benefits dollars um you know influence in terms of the social fabric of the entire country yeah uh, i think i probably would have had a, two or three other projects ready to go right away but it is still a little bit of a, a little bit of work hmm. not as bad as before but yeah we're still working on it interesting we'll come back to that Ray, um, I know when we last spoke, man, I don't know how many months before prior to legalization it was, quite a few, I think. Um, Back then, I remember you saying how crazy things were just trying to figure it all out. And I don't even know where to begin with the things we were trying to figure out back then. Now it's legal. I was speaking to you recently, it's just the last week, I think, and I asked you how it was going, and I think your answer was exactly the same. It's absolutely crazy. So... We've we've made the leap. Legal day has passed. Was it what you expected? How are things going for you now? Um, so I think for the most part, um, things have gone roughly how we expected. Um, like I mentioned, the pace really hasn't changed any. And I think even back then, um, the view was that it was a race to the starting point. You mm-hmm. know, and that um, and that essentially was just kind of get to market and then from there you you know like we have to to build an entire industry so that's that's just when the work kind of starts which so we're a month into it now and i think things have changed a little bit i'd say like even personally it's um it's one of those things i think a lot of people kind of face in their professional personal lives when you're working towards a goal that that it's it's a lofty goal and it sort of makes up your entire being and then you then you get there and you do it you execute on it happens and then you kind of look around and and you kind of think okay what's what's next you know but um for us like immediately we're we've transitioned into okay so we're out in market we're in (laughs) nine to ten provinces right now we've got cannabis oil and we've got flour and we've got pre-rolls that are now fully automated in our shop and things are moving along on the packaging front and supply chain has kind of started to work itself out. Um, so now we're focused on the next wave of product development and, you know, edible products and creating a strategy around that and trying to figure out uh, beverages and, and vaporizable products and, and, and sort of, you know, what we know will be the reality in October of 2019. So, um, so it's, you know, and um, it's it's been an amazing year, and I think the joke that we have internally, you know, within the industry is that it, the cannabis years are like dog years. You know, like for every <laughs> month you spent, it's yeah. like uh, two years in any other industry, just because of the rate of change and the pace and sort of the um, the expectations. You know, but um, I think all in all, things have kind of rolled out uh, in a lot of ways um, how we expected them to. There's been some surprises along the way, and some things that we over-delivered on, some things that we under-delivered on, you know, like yeah. as, as an industry. Um, but I think everybody knew going in that this was a massive lofty goal in a, in a very short period of time and that there was going to be bumps along the way. And, and there have been, but at the end of the day, like this is, this is about, you know, a massive opportunity into the future. It's not about, you know, how do we feel about things on October 17th? Yeah. It's funny, you know, I, I, uh, talk about this on pretty much a daily basis, if not hourly. And I've heard that phrase, the dog year phrase in the past week, about 18 times from, from different people all within the industry. And I believe it's true. I, I, this, it's happening so fast. Uh, and even listening to you talk about what, what may or may not be coming in the next year still boggles my mind, to be honest. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll open that back up for conversation in a second, because I want to get to Hal, who Hal, again, I, I remember you very clearly saying to me that you were not against what was happening, but you did have questions. And those questions were rooted, frankly, in, in, in your lifestyle and, and your beliefs, and, and they were great questions. Um, you were the one guest who just wasn't sure that this was a good move for Canada. So, of course, I'm very curious about how you feel about things now. I know you had a lot of expectations or certain fears that you outlined back when we talked uh, probably, well, close to half a year ago. How has any of that panned out for you now that it's been legal? What's happened since things have uh, have become recreationally legal? Well, I, I know in my life uh, nothing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so there has been no uh, no change at all. Interesting. Um, the 
it's it has has no effect uh you know the um at all it's i what i find quite interesting um like i have i i have a um a bad knee that i've got to get um hydroxide acid inject three hydroxide acid injections to wow. lubricate the uh, meniscus um if that was called um marijuana oil injection i don't care what it's called as long as i get the relief right um right. and i i certainly understand that and the, the stigma of um because in ontario just yesterday the uh, ontario government sent, um um, they had um, mold on some products, and the consumers are complaining. Well, instead of you know the consumer complaining and talking to the camera, they have the consumer still in shadows talking to the camera. The consumer didn't want to be identified. Wow. Um, so th- there is a, there's obviously still a stigma to it. I mm-hmm. think from a, a health perspective, if it if it helps you um, in, in whatever capacity i have that's it, it it's no different than uh, an advil or whatever you may mm-hmm. may take um but i um but where we had in our discussion and i still have this question is other than medical why do you need it and right. then uh, i've had other conversations with different people and, and other uh, been on some radio shows and and one of the gentlemen said and very correctly it was a bc radio show and he said that the wine industry sells you know hundreds of millions of dollars worth of wine uh, and so and all the carnage that comes from alcohol and so why are why is there this big being why are they upset with marijuana and i think it's uh obviously the jury's out um when you're and i i don't think it's certainly going to be quote unquote as bad as alcohol yeah um in terms of the carnage but i can certainly you know um answer the question about the the, the, the media um, if you were able to advertise um, on networks and so forth you would be able to make so many shows about marijuana you'd be spinning you'd be, but the sales department is what drives um, acquisition and if you can't sell it and so Procter & Gamble doesn't necessarily want to be married or feel at this point in time that it's good to be part of um, the marijuana industry. Um, so if the marijuana industry could advertise, you'd be able to make films all day and all night. Yeah. I mean, I, and I, I think that that's starting to change a little bit. I mean, I don't know what you guys would think about this, but I mean, to me, when Constellation Brands decides to invest $5 million into a cannabis, a cannabis company, uh, that sends a message to the business community. And um, I think that you're starting to hear now, I mean, of course, there are still mainstream brands that don't want to touch it with a 10-foot pole, but we're starting to hear now about brands that are going, how do I get in on this? How do I get access to this group of consumers that are consuming cannabis? Um, And so I think things are starting to shift a little bit. I mean, Hal, even you, uh, you know, I I don't disagree with you that, you know, if the medicinal side and if, if it helps and go for it, but you're still hanging on a little bit to the recreational thing. By the way, it feels almost inappropriate for me to hear Hal Johnson saying he has a knee injury. Is that even possible? (laughs) (laughs) But it's the, it's the overuse of it that I'm, uh, uh, I broke, I, I, I've, I've broken that particular leg three times uh, that, uh, and so it's, uh, um, I've got arthritis in it. And, you know, when you get up there, the the old age that I am right now, uh, those things happen. And, and if, um, you know, if cannabis could could assist in that, and I could rub that oil on there, and I could lubricate that, I'd be all over it. I'd be in line uh, on the other leg waiting to uh, to to get it. But um, but it really comes back to you know, when our first conversation, and I still scratch my head all the time. And I I, I remember saying to you, I feel so Pollyanna like that um, the, the the necessity to escape. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Now I know, you know, the other guests are, are in the industry, so it really is about money mm-hmm. and and understanding. Okay, this is a this is a, a viable industry that we can we'll make money at. So I understand that perspective, but I don't personally understand why you need to escape. Just go for a long walk in a, in the woods. <laughs> so. So, any first of all, either of you want to comment on the leg, and can cannabis help Hell's leg? Well, 
I just want to say, Hal, that if I were you, I would definitely uh, explore just what you said, a, a, a cannabis-infused cream. And, and uh, in terms of the industry, I'm, I, as a filmmaker, I'm not in the industry at all. I make film. I just finished a film about epigenetics, which is a new form of genetics. And so I make films about educated, you know, uh, I guess stuff that's floating around culture that I think could be beneficial in some way. And so, um, approaching the whole cannabis stuff from a, you know, a, originally not from the recreational side at all, but from a health-related side. In my film, there's a uh, a professor. Um, uh, of pharmacology at uh, Dalhousie University, who's an expert in in joint pain and what you're talking about, and um, he was a very interesting fellow. Uh, not really that interested in being in a film about cannabis, but having spent 17 years studying the effects on um, the, the of the endocannabinoids um, system and cannabis effect on the endocannabinoid system, he said that. Uh, he was able to astonish himself and other people in his lab by having animals that, you know, they were in their testing lab that had been in terrible uh, condition with, with, you know, basically joints that were non-functioning. And they injected the joints with the cannabinoids and then saw the animals get up and walk across the lab floor. And that's not coming from a stoner in a you know, can a, in a in a clinic somewhere that's you know like making things up. This is a professor who is really concerned about what his colleagues think, and so doesn't yeah. really want to even say it. So, yeah. you know, there. Uh, but I understand where you're coming from, and, and that you're, what you're saying is, if you can, if if people can find a medicinal way to use this plant, the same way they do aspirin and sure. other you yeah. know things, then it, it makes sense. The recreational is kind of where people that are on the fence are are really still concerned the mm-hmm. the whole idea of using it as a lifestyle uh choice maybe ray can address that <laughs> well i mean look i, I well I'll, t- I'll tell you what donna just <laughs> yeah. to build on your point like especially on the um on the medical side and i mean um i'm not a physician don't propose to be anything near a physician or, or credible to provide any kind of guidance on um, medicinal use, but what I can say as somebody who spent the last three years overseeing the client care group at a licensed producer and kind of focused exclusively on on medical cannabis, and also somebody who, to be completely honest, like came into this industry as a non-user and frankly skeptical about a lot of things. Um, the one thing I can say is that when I hear about the stories from our medical patients, which there's up over 15,000 of them now, every single week, there's somebody from my client care group who will come back to me and tell me a story about how somebody just flat out feels as though they've got their life back. After maybe the second, third, fourth different treatment option, they finally got to cannabis and found a healthy alternative to pills and opiates and all kinds of junk that ruins your body that's finally worked. You know, yeah. and, and even from a personal perspective, um, my father, who suffers from arthritis, is has suffered for, frankly, years and uh, has not been open to cannabis as a use. And, and about three months ago, finally took the step to get into CBD oil, which is non-hallucinogenic, uh, but focused on, you know, things like chronic pain and has, has been on that as part of his daily health routine for the last few months. And it's essentially completely turned things around. And that's just, you know, speaking kind of from the heart of somebody who uh, who's very close to me. Um, so I've seen it on a lot of different levels, and I know that it has worked as a medical product. Um, and I've and I've got the stories to to sort of to tell to kind of spread that. And I think the other side is that um, it's important to kind of distinguish that cannabis for medical purposes and cannabis cannabis for recreational purposes are are two completely different things and and i and i don't think that you know besides the product itself they don't generally overlap and and i think that um you know for recreational purposes when when you think about why a lot of people use cannabis uh, it's not often i mean in some cases it is it's you know strictly recreational but a lot of cases it's to deal with 
things that they're just not comfortable kind of taking to the level of speaking to a physician about. So it's dealing with anxiety. It's, it's because it helps me sleep better. It helps me relax, which makes me deal with stress, which helps my, my, my entire kind of well-being. So I think in a lot of cases, you know, cannabis can be seen and, and, and easily rationalized as, as, a, as a healthy additive, kind of done responsibility. And it's not so much, I don't think, about escape. I think it's about, um, you know, um, providing something that, uh, you know, brings enjoyment. And, um, you know, in some cases, sure, it's a lifestyle thing. But I think in a lot of cases, you'll find recreational users uh, use cannabis because they think that it, it makes their life better in one way, shape or form. And, and um, you know, with very few uh, health, like uh, adverse health effects. I mean, we could, we could, it's, it's easier to, to, um, I don't know if I want to use the word justify, but for lack of another word, it's easier to justify, I think the medicinal side we've anecdotally, we've heard all the evidence we've seen. One of the things that I love about legalization is the ability to now actually get the results of scientific studies. We'll actually get information that's scientifically proven and doctors can say yes or no. Um, but that doesn't, I mean, there definitely is a side of this coin that, I mean, is a recreational thing. It's a, it's a choice by a lot of people. I can tell you that the lineups on the first day of legalization at the stores were insane. You know, all the stores ran out of product on the first couple of days or, or almost ran out of product. So it does speak to, I don't believe um, that most of those people in line were standing in line for medicinal reasons. Uh, some of them may have been, but there's certainly a recreational side to that coin. Uh, I'm, I'm probably a bit guilty of that myself. And with that comes um, some of that stigma, right? Even just saying, even me just saying that now felt a little bit like, do I really want to say this? Uh, you know? <laughs> um, and so there is still that. And how has that stigma, do you think it's changed at all since we started talking a year ago? And I'm open to either one of anyone kind of responding to this. Um, I don't think it, I don't think it has changed. Um, just from yesterday, looking at that TV interview with the person in the, in the shadows. Yeah. They, you know, they bought it legally, but they're still in the shadows. They're still afraid. Um, yeah. So there's, yeah, they're still afraid. I mean, you know, if, if, if that person had cancer and they were saying, Hey, this is for, for the, the, um, that's why I'm using it. You wouldn't be afraid. Um, yeah. uh, you know, just like, you know, taking it as a nap, you know, the word napasin, I'd never heard of that. Napasin, what's that? Oh, that's a, a leave. Um, well, there's, from a medical perspective, there's no, I don't really think there's a, a, a valid argument against it. Yeah. Um, I think I think where where I have a start to wonder, and this is this is what I really said to you before was, you know, if they if they can't test you, truly test your driving, whether you're high or not, mm -hmm. if they can't say criminalize it and understand, okay, you are point whatever, you know, you lose your license, and they can't, they don't have the testing. Are we ready to bring it out? Mm -hmm. Because um, I know in Ontario, the first day, uh, the, ne the next day, there, there was two impaired um, driving. And the reason they know that is that one guy hit a pole and one guy ran off of a uh, bridge. Um, so that's why, that's why they knew. The guy, you know, they're both two in the morning and kind of thing, middle of the night, and that happened. Well, I'm sure that there was alcoholics that were doing it too, but the the or people who were drinking alcohol did it, but it's the people who made the headlines with the with the two guys that we were smoking dope because of you know being in the news. So um, that's where I that's my does it make the society better or was it simply a campaign promise um, that ran on that and, and then wanted to be reelected? Re and I'm a liberal, like I I vote liberal, so. Yeah. You know, it's, I'm not against Trudeau, let's say, in that, that respect. But I just wonder, is it strictly a campaign promise that he had to fulfill before the next election? I, I mean, look, my personal view would be that probably. But but I think that some of the motives there, I think you were, you had mentioned in their previous chat that this was in some ways, for lack of a better term, a money grab. And I think that there is no question that there is a money uh, um a money equation to this that that the government is certainly looking at, probably because of all of the financial gains that the other, uh, you know, those people in the states have, have have witnessed, the tax revenue, all of that, n coupled with this idea of getting uh, taking the uh, the money away from the black market. 
Um, so I think all of that's true. I think it was a it was a campaign promise. It's a it's a money grab for some in some cases. It's it's a, a safety issue. You know, I think when we get it all right, and the supply meets the demand, and uh, you know we're not being pushed back into the black market in some cases. You know, we might see it get out of the hands of of youth, and it's going to take a bit of time to tell that. I think. Um, just on with regard to the whole driving thing, you know that Chuck Rafici has uh, put some money up to help f- fight one of the one of the uh, first uh, smokers that got caught that they say is over the limit or whatever. So that's all very interesting to see that yeah. that kind of thing happen. But, um, you know, there's people uh, that, that might be able to benefit from uh, the use of cannabis um, and um, get off of some of those really heavy-duty drugs that they're driving giant transfer trucks with right now. <laughs> like, yeah, right. I, I'd be concerned about the Percocets and the and uh, mm-hmm. and the Oxycontins and all those kind of things that are a part of society, which, honestly, I'm really, really hoping that the research money and the dollars mm-hmm. in this country get into getting people off of some of those dangerous pharmaceuticals that, you know, you're, you're, you could be working for... Home hardware, or uh, any of these companies transporting things, any and you, you, they aren't going to ask you, uh, you know, what pain medication you're on that could dull yeah, right. your mind and make you hit someone. But there's still that stigma against anyone that's using cannabis for mm-hmm. any of their medical conditions, and so I think that it, it'll all sort itself out, hopefully, very quickly, uh, because there's, you know, there's a there's a lot of questions. Yeah. I, yeah, I guess only just to build on that, Donna, like the other thing that I'd say too is that, um, you know, we, we've legalized cannabis. We haven't invented it. To, to think of um, impaired driving because of cannabis is now an issue and it wasn't three months ago is just naive, right? And, and, and the need for tools to be able to test that is as relevant as today as it was three months ago or a year ago or two year ago, two, two years ago and what have you. So um, in, in my view, like um, there's definitely an ep- economic upside. There's no question. Um, but at the same time, like, would you rather those dollars um, go back into the government, which that can then turn into, um, you know, research and information and, and to put better roads and schools in the, in the country, or would you rather it sit in the black market with unregulated product that's completely unsafe, knowing full well that people right across the country are consuming it at the same levels that they'll likely be now and six months from now and a year from now. And I think at the end of the day, like, was there a campaign promise that was delivered on? Absolutely. But it was one that was voted for because people thought it was a great idea and he executed on it. So I don't see that's a bad thing. And I think at the end of the day, if you can put regulated product in the country to give people an option, if they're going to consume it regardless, which we all know that they are, then then I don't see how that's a bad thing for Canada or Canadians in general. Yeah, it's funny. I was I was going to raise a similar, not not the same kind of point, but more of a question, I think, because I know here in Nova Scotia, there were, I think there were charges uh, within a couple of days as well. Uh, there were charges for people who had it in the car and it was too close to their ability to reach it. Um, and and so I remember scratching my head kind of going, okay, so what what's happening now? Is this like a heightened sensitivity? They've got to make a couple of statements and show that they're kind of on the ball here and 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 send a message to people that you know uh, we're we're on it now that's not to say that 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 those accidents that you're referencing um how weren't induced by marijuana use but uh, every time i hear that i always go back to well how many were there before and and it, were we just not talking about them i don't know the answer to that but this for me becomes my kind of gray area like i go okay what's really happening in society now is it's legal the, the police have a responsibility uh, they got to make sure we all know they're watching uh, whereas before, I just don't know if that was the case. Like, I think people were, not think, people were definitely still using and driving. I just don't know if if anything was really being done about it. Well, I, I think the the difference before is that, um, is that if uh, you were using and driving, they didn't really have to, in a sense, test you, have a test right, for it. Right. Um, you, you, you were doing something illegal, you know, cut and dry, your insurance quadrupled or, or couldn't get insurance or whatever. You, um, did, was there a problem before? Has the problem changed? No, not at all. I, I, I'm not naive to think that 
um, you know, people like myself who didn't smoke before are running out. Oh, now it's now it's legal. Let, let me just. Uh, mm. I want to. I want to smoke up every day. Like it's <laughs> it's just you're not going to. That's not happening. And so I don't. Um, so I'm, what I'm saying is is that before, if you got caught um, smoking and driving, you were going to be charged, and it was not there. There wasn't a limit or something to that effect. And and I. So and also, I, I would say your, your point that you know uh, Canadians voted on it. Yeah, true, but I can honestly tell you, I didn't vote for Trudeau because of that. I just wanted Harper the hell out of there. But um, <laughs> it was, uh, and so I wasn't going. Oh, great! So th- not every reason somebody voted for Trudeau was because it was an legalization of marijuana. Yeah. Yeah, look, I, let me ask you something. You make you raise an interesting point around the idea that, uh, you know, you didn't run out and, and smoke the next day. And this question isn't about you, but either one of you, and, and I'm going to include myself in this, I do have one little story I might share, but I think there are a certain segment of people who did wait for it to become legal. Uh, I have a, a few experiences who said, okay, now that it's legal, I'll go, I'll go and try it. Um, any evidence of that from either of you? Uh, Donna, yeah, absolutely. Um, I know that in Charlottetown, where I'm from, uh, a ton of people showed up the you know the first and second days because of the whole mm. cultural vibe of the whole thing. This is a new time. Sure, you know this is a new time in in our culture. This is a this is a monumental moment. It's like you know way back when the legalization of, uh, you know, uh, alcohol (laughs) or the prohibition was abolished, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, So there's a certain amount of people that, you know, ran down to the shop, got their, you know, suggested uh, pack, went home and gave it a shot and probably won't, you know, they they did it for the fun of the whole thing. Yeah, may or may not do it again. Exactly. Yeah. 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 There's a certain amount of people that'll do cannabis dinner clubs that way. That, sure. That that will that will jump on. But um, I think that uh, it would be uh, it would be difficult to measure the you know the the interest and the level based sure. on day one on what's going to happen uh, on a regular basis. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I I um. I did stand in line on the day uh, and and sort of got caught up in the, I'm going to say at the buzz of it all. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, th- there were two moments that I was quite fascinated by uh, in that in that experience. I was an hour and a half in line. One moment was at the cash. There was a woman sort of at the cash next to me who uh, was explaining to the uh, the person that it was the first time she had tried it. She didn't want to smoke it. She bought a vaporizer, spent a couple of hundred bucks, so made an investment to be able to ingest it that way versus through a, a, a joint mm-hmm. um, and was looking for advice on what to try. I, I was just sort of um, amused by that. And then the other thing was there was a couple standing back watching the line and they were an older couple, I would guess 70s, uh, who were buying wine. And they were kind of standing back debating and I could hear them. And the, and finally the woman looks at the guy and she says, look, why don't we just get in line and try it? <laughs> so like there's all kinds, right? And, 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 you know, I think there are people that are, are becoming more open to it, to it medicinally. Ray, your father is an example. Um, you know, I have a similar story with my father, uh, a year ago, wouldn't touch the stuff. It was like, no, that's crazy. I would never do that. And, and of course now there are people who are going to try it recreationally. But one thing I'm wondering about is, I mean, you can't turn the news on these days without hearing about some story related to cannabis. So from the time that we started this podcast, Donna, with you to now, the increased number of conversations about this on a daily, if not hourly basis is tenfold. <laughs> and and I got to wonder if, if just by virtue of that much conversation, if that's starting to shift or change people's attitudes or even question it. I am also very... Um, uh, interested in this idea that in in from Hal's perspective nothing's changed and I got to believe there's a lot of people that have that experience as well. So do you think that the ongoing conversation just the shift in culture is is having an effect on people? Um I think it is. Just one really good example of that is Kijiji. Yeah. Um you go on Kijiji now, and if you go under job listings, yeah. they have a whole new section. You know how you can't—you can barely find find film and TV. It's got its own little listing, but it took right. forever to get it. Mm-hmm. Now, cannabis sectors in there. It's there. Like that's un 
freaking believable yeah, if you yeah. ask me. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So that's that's interesting. I mean, are there still is there still stigma and are there still like the news stories definitely and I I go through the news daily to to see the stories because of course I'm looking for angles for um you know documentaries and and TV yeah. TV shows about um but uh, there's 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 ways in which the um it takes a while to shift um you know so that the you know society thoughts on something like seatbelts or you know whatever sure, yeah. kind of social change you make it takes a while before it percolates mm-hmm. and I think that uh, this is this is you're going to see shifts in uh, shifts in the way people think as this changes. Like right now, I keep using PEI as an example. I know a lot more about cannabis companies in Nova Scotia, but in PEI, the government recently did a call for people that had ideas for new recreational events that could bring people to the island. Well, of course, they got oh. a ton of applications of people looking to do cannabis-related, yeah. you know, ecotourism adventures and that kind of thing. And so as people, as uh, the industry shifts and settles, there's going to be all kinds of sub-industries start up. And I think that yeah. that yeah. will that will permeate you know, that will permeate the the business world and society and, and you know, eventually, um, you know, if whether or not there will still be a stoner stigma and everybody will yeah. still talk about Cheech and Chong, it, it's still possible, mm-hmm. but it's changing. Ray, I know when you first started your job at Organogram, which I think was probably a couple years ago now. Um, yeah, it's going on three years now. Three years, Jesus. So so you've been in the industry for, what's that in dog, 21 years now? <laughs> Something like that. Uh, y- your thoughts on on joining that company and it becoming your job, uh, I'm not sh- exactly sure how they were, but I remember talking to you about how do you explain it to your kids. And there was some like, maybe not hesitation, but you were certainly cautious about it. Has that shifted for you now? So I'll tell you what, like I would be... Uh, I would be of the mind, and, and I, I would say perhaps I've got a natural bias on this because we we, we sort of do operate in a bit of a bubble within the industry, yeah, in yeah. that um, we, we 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 are oversaturated with news and content and what the industry is doing mm-hmm. and trying to stay on top of it. So I'm fully cognizant that I sort of operate within this bubble. But what I would say is that over the last three years, I've been absolutely astounded at the rate of at, at the speed at which the stigma is going away mm-hmm. and um, and I say that as uh, a non-user when I started within the industry I'd still I'm still an, a non-user of cannabis um, but you know I am kind of dialed into um, a lot of conversations and and I think that to your point earlier mass media's approach to October 17th happening has created such a saturation of news where every single mm. um, broadcast, there's some element of cannabis. In every newspaper, there's some element of cannabis. Every dinner party, cannabis is discussed. Every locker yeah. room in Canada, <laughs> cannabis comes up. It, it's happening everywhere. And I think because of that, naturally, people have almost said, like, what am I missing here? Like, <laughs> and and it's kind of gone to try to figure out you know what, what why is this becoming normalized so quickly why is this everywhere every time i turn it's it's everywhere and i think that the natural like what happens with that is that people get so accustomed to it that you can't and and now that it's legal that's like the tipping point to make it it forces people to think about it differently so when you think about even 3 years ago and i think the last time we talked we i, I sort of spoke through the story of when i when I told my my mother-in-law that I was yeah. going to take this job, she almost fell down. Yeah, and 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 that you know is 180 degrees from what her uh, opinion of things would be now. And and I would rarely have a conversation where it takes me any more than 30 seconds to convince somebody of um, the the validity of the industry or the validity of the product as right. as an alternative to say beverage alcohol on even on the on the adult rec side. So. Um, so, so it's, to me, it's been an absolutely like, I've been amazed 
at the um, at the speed at which uh, the stigma has gone away. I think it's it's something that we've worked very hard on over the last three years to to try to remove, like from an industry perspective. Um, and it'll continue to, to 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 be a discussion and continue to be a bit of a battle. But I, I I'll be honest with you. I think I think the battle is quickly being won. And um, at the end of the day, like uh, it's easy for people in the, in the industry to talk about stigma. I'll be honest with you. I think that it is. Um, becoming less and less of an issue every single day that goes by. And uh, at this point, it's not like, it's not even a speaking point for me anymore. (laughs) Well, you know, it's funny. I mean, I share a similar experience, but of course I've gotten myself into this industry now in other ways. And so your point about being um, kind of in a bubble and saturated with it on an ongoing basis, there's some truth to that yet. Uh, I'm still fascinated. You know, you listen to Hal, you're talking about not much has changed. Um, and so I think being in the bubble is one perspective and being outside of it is another. And and what I'm interested in from you, Hal, is, is um, you know, I think back when we talked the first time, you were saying that it wasn't a large part of your daily conversations. Has that changed over the course of the last six months to a year? Well, it's interesting you say that because uh, the other day I... I uh, I went up to Ottawa and I, had, I was driving back and um, my my cameraman um, that is, uh, uh, it's funny, I won't say his name because I, I <laughs> know him to, to, to out him, uh, <laughs> but uh, I, hadn't, I hadn't seen him. Uh, he was my cameraman for, he, he started, he started Body Break. He was the, uh-huh. um, he was, he was the reason of our success. Uh, I was a green naive, didn't know anything, and he helped me along. Uh, I, I'm very indebted to him what he did for us, and and he was my only cameraman I used, I think, for the first 15 years. Um, and I stopped uh, in to see him and his wife, and uh, and we got into the discussion. And he told me he's been smoking since he was 14. Wow! And I never knew that. Interesting. Um, and, and and never knew that. So. Yeah, I can certainly see how it does, you know, it, it, it creeps into the conversations now because people have varying opinions. I mean, either you talk about Trump or you talk about, you know, <laughs> something else. Uh, yeah. So this is something that's obviously topical. And uh, I, I know it's <laughs> we're topical. It's, you know, if, if, if there was a, a cream, an oil that I could put on my knee, hell yeah, I'd put on. I don't care we'll get, we'll what it is. Yeah. Uh, I become the spokesperson for, for them for crying out loud yeah. because it, I don't care. Like it, it, if, if it gives me relief, um, I know for, for example, with, with Joanne, um, uh, you know, and, and people, people think of us as uh, well, geez, you guys never get sick because <laughs> every time I see you, you're running, you're or jumping, injured. you're doing something. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Well, Joanne has difficulty sleeping. Um, right. and she has for many, many, many years. And as I get older, it's more, it, it's not something that gets easier. Yeah. Um, I, I sleep like a lot, but she doesn't. And I wish she, I wish she would because then she'd be in a better mood. But anyway, that's another story. Um, the, um, <laughs> I think I should come spend I, the I weekend at. with you guys, Hal. I'm going to come over with my little bag yeah. of stuff and tricks. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, she, that sounds quite uh, interesting. <laughs> and the weekend with Hal and Joe trying to get to sleep. <laughs> we're going to send you but, a kit. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'd be rubbing and, and like Joanne has uh, rheumatoid arthritis um, and so she can't golf two days in a row okay um, you know she manages it but she manages it through activity I mean she swims a lot which really seems to help quite a bit um, and she cycles um, uh, quite a bit and that seems to help it keep it keeping everything moving um, if you rest you rust and that's kind of been our our adage, but um, you know, it's it takes an apicin. She takes other things, but we're also kind of like we don't uh, we don't want to take a lot of stuff. Yeah, um, you know, you don't know what effect it's having on your stomach and those sort of things. So, um, in fact, Joanne and I were having a discussion today whether to to renew her golf membership because she has a hard time mm. doing day after day after day golf. So, is it really worth doing that? So. It's um it's quality of life 
Yeah. And, and that's, you know, for 30 years, that's what we've been talking about with body brain, trying to get the most, the best quality of life you can. And, and as I get older now being 62, um, those injuries are, are, are starting to take its toll. And, um, and it, it, and it's, uh, you know, strengthen the muscles, stretch, do all of those things. Um, but if, if there's a, some little magic bullet out there, I'll be in that line <laughs> wait an hour and a half yeah. to pick that up. But so the, the thing I have, the problem I have is that the smell of it, the, the smell um, of the smoking, it, it actually turns my stomach. Sure. Uh, like well, I don't, I don't like that smell of that. So. Hal, for the situation that you're talking about, that you and Joanne are talking about, you wouldn't be, you wouldn't be burning plant to do that. You'd you'd be getting an oil, a CBD oil, that would have no scent at all, and you'd be taking it the same way you would if you were taking, you know, cod liver oil or in a gel well, cap or whatever. Too, yeah, or a cream, a topical. You can take the oil and make it into a topical. But um, the thing that was really interesting to me. And the research is going to go there very soon, believe me. It's not just that the cannabinoids um, and, uh, you know, the, I don't know, like there's 170, I don't know how many different yeah. different chemical properties are in, in the cannabis plant, but it's not just that they're able to help alleviate the the pain. What's what's exciting about that, because that's what aspirin can do and Advil can do and all kinds of things. But what it, what it, what this um, research that's been done at Dalhousie and at other universities where they're they're looking carefully at the at the at the at the joint pain and nerve damage is it's actually been able to rebuild the connective tissues in the nerves. And what's really interesting about that is that is because Apparently, the human body has an endocannabinoid system, and as you get older, that system wears down, and that system, when it gets replenished with cannabinoids, mm-hmm. it, it, it has a cutoff point where it only uses what it needs to get back to the level of, of you know, uh, being health. sort of health. Yeah. yeah. And so that's that's fascinating to me, and I'm the kind of person as well as I'm a super health fanatic, but I'm also very... Um, I'm I'm a, I'm a journalist and I'm a filmmaker. I'm I don't trust anybody. So <laughs> I don't trust anybody, and I I research everything. I've never gotten a prescription from a doctor. I've gotten filled, quite frankly. Right, right. <laughs> I read about it and then go, no way. Yeah. So I just look really carefully at all the, you know, all the information that's out there, and you know, just like I wouldn't go and. Uh, take anything that I didn't believe in. I want to know where everything I take comes from, food I eat, and, and anything I ingest, and I want to understand the bigger properties at play. And so I just think that it's really interesting that, you know, this plant has a lot of properties that are useful in various ways, and it for hundreds of years it's been all underground and certain people have been able to quietly use it, and quite frankly, even in the... Um, in the indigenous communities as this plant mm-hmm. has been used for various t- types of cancer relief for various things and and it's all going to surface to the forefront now where people put it in a lab and test it and I think that we're going to be yeah. very surprised at what we find and you know uh, I think that uh, you know it, it's it's the, the inf- once the information gets out there it's going to be it's going to be really interesting but there's there's no need for anyone if unless they're doing it recreationally right, right. to to have to smoke a joint anymore because yeah. the, the the future is not going to be that that's right yeah um well and, and oh, i'm sorry um i, I was just going to add to that that I, I know personally i take about 14 15 vitamin pills a day for different things extract of tea extract and different for immune system vitamin d in the winter time all of those things that they have a so, you know, another um, uh, something else uh, um, would not be a problem at all, uh, obviously. And and I, I'm I'm certainly not against that. I I simply want, as I'm sure all users that do, they just want relief of pain. Pain is so debilitating. Hal, I'm I'm starting to wonder if we're going to see a body break episode on cannabis before the end of your career. <laughs> <laughs> you won't be allowed to put it well, anywhere, I, but you can do it. <laughs> Well, you know, I've never been I've never been accused, even when I was nineteen, of being one of the cool kids. So uh I I, I don't think I don't think uh, I've never been on the forefront of stuff, so Yeah. Look, um this is fascinating. We could do this all day and I'd love to. We can't. 
so what I'd like to do is give each of you a chance to uh, just have kind of your final thoughts. And and really, uh, we're as we're a month in, um, there's no specific question. It's just in general, how do you, what do you think about this? I mean, we're now legal. We spent so much time up to this point talking about what we think it'll be like when things become legal. But uh, we're, I know it's still early days, but man, as, as Ray was saying earlier, it's been a month in, so it might as well be a year in at this point. And it, from some perspectives, I'd just love to know what each of you are thinking as a final thought, and we'll kind of wrap things up and, uh, and see where that leaves us. Donna? Okay. Well, what I want to say about that is I'm really hoping that now that the you know, now that this is legalizations happened, that we can find a way, you know, Canada's at the forefront of some really big ideas right now. And mm-hmm. it's very exciting tech and research wise. And the kind of stuff we're doing is, you know, unparalleled other places. People are coming from other countries, you know, here to learn. I just hope that we can figure out a way to deal with the the bureaucracy of the whole thing so that we can see some of the smaller producers figure out a way to get in on the action so that we don't have to start importing all this stuff from, you know, the hot you know, other climates. We can still find sure. a way to do to do this thing the proper way and that we can I would love to see, oh, they're just going to love this. I would love to see some of the tax money go s- straight out of the government's pockets and into research immediately. Right. Wow. Thank you. Ray? Yeah, so I, um, I, I I recently did a bit of an op-ed on sort of, you know, some, some high-level feelings, come, you know, now that we're a month in, and, and I kind of broke them down into, you know, the good, the bad, and the interesting. If I was to focus on, you know, one um, great thing that I've experienced so far is that um, we, we've done market visits from coast to coast, and I've stood in a lot of lineups, like much like the one that, that you described, Sean, and and I think that the one thing that's encouraged me the most is the absolute diversity of people that are in the lineups, uh, regardless if we're talking about Alberta or or, um, or Manitoba or the Maritime Provinces. Um, young, old, all kinds of different demographic backgrounds, economic backgrounds. It seems as though um, there's there's an openness to explore cannabis, whether it's from a, a medical or a recreational uh, perspective, and I think that that's really, really encouraging for the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, if I was to focus on sort of one uh, negative thing that I think that we need to resolve, it's the environmental impact on packaging, mm-hmm. um, which is something that's very sort of close to to, to me and my part of the business. Um, and I think that it's been made clear that a lot of the decisions that producers have to make around packaging are are respective of some of the regulatory and, and safety measures that we need to take, which right. obviously we fully embrace. Right. Um, but if I was to say, if there's one thing that I would love to go away over the course of the next year, it's that stupid excise stamp that we need to put on every single package, which makes some producers have to put their jars in boxes in something else yeah. because to automate that excise stamp thing is an absolute nightmare. And to think for one second that producers want to spend more money on really ugly packaging that sits under the counter at retail um, is absolutely not the case. Yeah. Um, so, so, so that's one thing that we're actively working on. And then in terms of the interesting um, one thing that we didn't fully expect was the absolute interest in CBD products from a recreational perspective. Mm. Um, we're getting a lot of feedback in just about every jurisdiction on the interest of CBD. And I think that um, CBD in general has really caught the imagination of consumers. And as people get more educated and we talk about stigma starting to go away, people are understanding that cannabis goes beyond sort of your stoner cliche uh, which comes from THC as a cannabinoid. And when you start to think about the benefits of other cannabinoids, starting with CBD, but also includes things like CBN, CBG, um, there, there's there's incredible benefits um, from just a holistic health perspective. And I think the more people that walk into a cannabis uh, store, whether that's the NSLC, that's Cannabis NB, that's the OCS, once it comes online in, in, in the spring, um, that to me is, is a positive thing and it's a good indicator that um, the industry has started to evolve and, and people think differently now about cannabis. And, and, and for me, over the last month or so, hearing so much about that has is, is really been interesting, but um, absolutely encouraging at the same time. Very, very nice. 
Hal? I would say that everyone just make your own choice. Don't get caught up in, let's call it the fever of the moment. Just understand who you are and what's right for you and make your own choice that way. Don't be an individual as opposed to trying to follow the crowd, whatever that. I've always been that way. I've never concerned myself with which direction the crowd is going. Um, so if, if this is what you want to do, you do it, but don't do it because to try to be, you know, part of the cool kids as it, as it were. So that's what I would say in terms of any individual. And, uh, and as, oh, as you know, as I always say, you know, keep fit and have fun. And <laughs> that, uh, takes a, takes a new meaning in the cannabis world. Yeah. No kidding. Well, look, um, I want to thank you guys for being a part of this journey. And I don't just mean the journey of the podcast, but the journey of this industry. Uh, we're all sort of contributing in one way or another. Uh, and whether that's be simple discussion and information. Um, I, I know for me, the last year of these types of conversation has been the absolute most incredible uh, thing to do. And to just talk to people from so many different perspectives has been very eye-opening. I, I often tell people I'm not an expert in the space when it comes to the science, but the social norms aspect of things have become a very normal bit of conversation for me. So thank all of you for coming. It was a pretty good conversation, I think. Nobody got hurt. <laughs> and, uh, and we'll chat again soon. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks, John. It's been a pleasure. Wow, you know, I was a little bit worried in this conversation about how things were going to go having uh, more than a few of us uh, as part of that discussion, but that was fascinating. I um, I was I found myself listening to each of those uh, guests and and kind of wondering where we were going to go next. And once again, I'm kind of reminded of the many different perspectives related to uh, this new industry and 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 what's happening with it. You know, we've done 27, 27 episodes of of this show, um, which is more than twenty seven hours of discussion. And I loved having Donna back, who was the first, very first guest on the show. And I did go back and listen to that episode prior to our discussion. <clears throat> and it's fascinating, first of all, how quickly a year uh, went by, but how much has changed in that year. And even for myself, I know when I started this show in that first episode, I was pretty cautious and pretty, um, uh, I, I think, green or naive to what, what might come out of the conversations. And over the course of the conversations, that, have, that started to change. As you get more comfortable discussing what's happening, you realize that everyone is asking the same questions uh, and hoping that we're all taking something away. You know, listening to Hal talk about his point of view and, you know, if I could only find something for my knees or helping Joanne sleep. And 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 even if a CBD-based cannabis product is the right solution for some of those issues, whether it's Hal or anybody for that matter, there is still a certain amount of mental um, barrier in some cases that I think some people may or may not need to get over as they discover uh, what can be done uh, with cannabis. And that's one of the things that excites me most about what's happening. One, the discovery, but two, the ability to actually scientifically prove once and for all the good and the bad related to cannabis use. And, you know, I think over the course of time, we're going to hear more and more of that uh, come out. I think the jury's still out for a lot of people. You know, we are only a month in and, and there are people still trying to figure out where they sit with it all. Is it good? Is it bad? How do you feel about being able to go into a store? I'll tell you a personal story. You know, a few times over the last month or so, I've had a few people who have, you know, either given me a product, a, a joint or, or some cannabis in some form. And even I felt the kind of immediate need to sort of hide it in my jacket or put it in my pocket, forgetting that I don't have to anymore, that it's, that it's legal. So it's going to take some time. And uh, at this point, that's what we've got. We've got time to figure this all out. I'm still stuck with the comment that, that I was left with after uh, the first part of this two-part uh, series with Tim Pellerin, who said, you know, this is the worst that the industry will be in terms of um, the state that it's in. We're all learning how to distribute properly, package properly, sell properly. And so I still believe that it's going to get better as we go. You heard Ray talk about it today. You know, one of his main concerns is the uh, the packaging and the amount of extra packaging required based on things like you need room for a certain sticker. So I expect that we'll see things change like that over the uh, over the next few years. 
I have to say, this has been a, an incredible journey. This, the whole point of this show was to really talk about the various perspectives as Canada was preparing to legalize recreational marijuana. As I said, over 27 hours of discussion. Uh, that's a lot of perspectives. And um, I don't think I even fully realized how many perspectives there were when we began that process. But man, am I thankful for doing it. Um, the journey's not over. I mean, we, we've come to the end of, legal, of the anticipation of legalization. We're a month in, and these past few discussions are really about getting a sense from people of how they feel it's been going so far. But now it's about what's next. And, um, and here at Turning a New Leaf, we're going to take some time to discover what we think we want to do next with the show. And the journey has been um, certainly informa informational. It's been educational. And it's been a lot of fun. Uh, I know I've learned a lot more since the very beginning and have met some really great people along the way. So thankful for everyone who joined us as, uh, as a guest on the show. Obviously, for those of you who have listened uh, over the course of this past year, I've received messages from so many people who, uh, you know, I didn't realize that was a thing would text me or send me an email. When's the next one coming out? So I just want to thank everybody for taking part in the show, whether you were a guest, whether you were a listener, and of course the folks at the Village Soundcast Network for making it all happen. Uh, all I can tell you is that this part of the journey has come to somewhat of an end, and I would ask you to stay tuned for what's next as we consider how we take the show to the next level in the same way the cannabis industry is doing it for themselves. So uh, thanks again. Thanks to everyone listening. Thanks to everyone who joined the show, and uh, uh, we'll look forward to what's next. You have been listening to Turning a New Leaf, produced by the Village Soundcast Network, and it's been a real pleasure to be your host. I'm Sean King, and thanks again. This was a Village Soundcast Network original production. 